So I took the headset off and I said, this is the future of storytelling or this is the future. I just saw the future and that's what I want to do for the rest of my life. So for me, it was a very clear moment. Welcome to the Thriving on Overload podcast. I am Ross Dawson, a futurist and entrepreneur fascinated by how we can excel at dealing with the universe of information and the author of the book, Thriving on Overload. Every week, we share insights from information masters on how they transform today's avalanche of information into insight, foresight, and better decisions. For more goodness on this topic, be sure to visit thrivingonoverload.com, where there are a wealth of resources to help you thrive, including all podcast episodes with transcripts, excerpts from my book, and if you are really intent on amplifying your information productivity, the Thriving on Overload interactive course, which helps you develop a personal information plan you can immediately put into practice. And be sure to sign up for our weekly Tips for Thriving newsletter if you want to optimize your information productivity. If you enjoy this episode, please do subscribe and give a rating or review on iTunes. It helps others interested in this topic to find these resources. Now, on with the show. On this episode, we learn from Kathy Hackle, a leading tech futurist specializing in augmented reality, virtual reality, and spatial computing. She's the CEO of the Futures Intelligence Group, one of LinkedIn's top 10 technology voices, and has been named one of the top 10 women in tech, among many other accolades. You can find Kathy's insights at kathyhackle.com, that's C-A-T-H-Y-H-A-C-K-L.com, on her LinkedIn profile, where she says lots of wonderful things, and her excellent weekly column on the metaverse on Forbes.com. In this episode, Kathy shares insights on finding the key players to listen to, building mental maps, how to see connections, becoming a voice in your industry, and far more. Let's hear from Kathy. Kathy, it is awesome to have you on the Thriving on Overload show. Awesome. Happy to be here. So, Kathy, you keep across the edge of emerging technologies, and there's a lot of information to keep across, a lot of new things. So, how do you do it? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting because when I was looking at some of the questions that you sent over for this, I started to really try to think about, like, how do we, how do I organize this? How am I doing this? Um I mean, I'm a voracious consumer of information, right? Like a lot of folks are in, in our industry. Yep. Um, I think it's how do you organize everything? How do you keep it, you know, kind of, um, how do you make sense of all of it, right? Um, I, you know, how do I do it? I mean, I I would say I wake up, I read a huge amount of news, um, mostly focused on technology because that is kind of where I spend most of my time. So I'm, yep. I consider myself a tech futurist, very much focused on the technology having been working in the space inside these companies for several years now. Um, so definitely start, you know, reading a lot of different information. Um, you know, if there's something really interesting, I'll flag it um, with different different services that I use. Um, sometimes I'll forward it to one of my assistants uh, and ask them to kind of put it in, in you know, in kind of a different, you know, different programs, or even like, a, sometimes we have like a Google Doc right now, to be honest, as simple as that, uh, on metaverse things, because right, I'm very focused on the metaverse. And there seems to be, yep. you know, back in January, you didn't have that many metaverse headlines. <laughs> there yeah, maybe, you know, every, every one. One is now. Yeah, now it's like every single headline in tech is a metaverse headline or something like that. Um, so, you know, kind of we, we used to we used to have a Google Doc where we kind of used to keep those a little bit. 
Um, now it's getting a little bit more complicated. So, um, so yeah, I mean, we use tools like Digo, for example, um, to kind of keep things organized. I have a, a very well-organized Feedly, um, uh, you know, Feedly to kind of like also keep tabs of things uh, and kind of keep organized and kind of know, you know, what are the sources I want to get information from. Um, so, yeah, I mean, lots of scanning, lots of reading, lots. I will say a lot of the information that I do get, I also get from conversations, right? Um, yeah, especially right now with the metaverse becoming such a hot topic and lots of people wanting to talk to me about, about it. Um, you know, it, it, sometimes it might be as simple as like, hey, I'm launching the X project. And maybe before I might have been like, oh, you know, I don't have time. But now I, I kind of want to hear what they're doing. Like, what is it that they're doing in the space? And sometimes those conversations, not always, sometimes, you know, they don't lead to anything. But sometimes I'll find out something I didn't know. Or I'll know, oh, this is interesting. This Rand's thinking of doing this. And that's coming up, The you know, that's going to be happening. What does that mean? What is that a signal of? Um, so, so yeah, it's it's a bit of a process, especially, I would say, especially in my field, because it's evolving so fast, um, it's hard to keep up. Right. So what what could be what was new yesterday might not might not might be old by today. Right. In the technology space, because it's moving so fast. Yes. Another thing I do is, you know, I publish a weekly column in Forbes called Metaverse Weekly. Um, So that forces me as well to always keep on top and try to make sure that I have the the freshest news and the most relevant news and and those sorts of things. So, um, so yeah, sometimes I do get that information via a PR pitch. It's not my preferred way. Right. Um, but yeah, it's kind of, I think a combination of all these different sources, um, of information. So I don't have like just one place I go. It's a multitude of places and sources. So in the, so you say you in the morning you scan and you look Mm -hmm. around. So, so you mentioned you use Feedly. So essentially, you're choosing feeds to go into your Feedly, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, yeah. that's being curated over some time. I guess. Do you continue to refine or add, or how do you? How I do you? How do you refine all them? the time. Yeah, I continue to refine all the time, and they've got some interesting AI tools called Leo uh, that you can use to kind of help you um, as well, kind of make it more tailored. Uh, but I don't only do that, you know. I mean, I use my Feedly, but I also go into Google News. I go into Apple News. I like to see kind of how the different algorithms and everything presents the news to me. Um, you know, all the different things. There might be something I missed. Um, you know, when I go, for example, into one of those, into Apple News or Google News, I, you know, I tend to always go to the technology uh, tab because, you know, they've got headlines, international. Yep. Like, the, yeah, I tend to always go to business or tech. But I'm forcing myself, I force myself to go to international or go to other ones, uh, even though, you know, necessarily, that's not necessarily my main interest, but I'm forcing myself to go to these other tabs because I'm like, okay, there might be something I'm missing here. There might be something happening in X country that I had no, you know, I didn't, I was not aware of that could impact X. So, you know, kind of forcing myself like that. I'm, I also, I'm very lucky that I have a team. So, so I also have my team, you know, finding news and curating those. Um, I have them send me kind of like a small uh, kind of metaverse review <laughs> of the of the daily news, things that could be you know of interest to me. Um, so that you know they'll send me something, and they'll be like, oh, you know, kind of on a daily basis, it'll be like a headline, small summary, and then a link if I want to read more. Um, so you know, I, I also have that added bonus of, bonus of having a team that also helps me with this. So when you're you're scanning and you see all of these articles, and then some of them you say, "All right, I want to bookmark that. I want to put in a list. I want to 
book my other later. So what is it that what is it that makes it something which is uh, worth seeing? What 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 switches the the trigger to say this this goes in my database or I, I got to pay attention to this? Yeah, I mean, it starts with keywords, right? Especially with the metaverse. Like it started with the keyword metaverse. Now that there's a lot more <laughs> metaverse content, we have to be a little bit more selective. So it'll be, you know, what is the, you know, what is the actual topic here? Uh, who's actually interviewed, right? Who's actually saying this? Um, you know, if there's an article like a couple of weeks ago when you had Mark Zuckerberg say that, you know, Facebook was going to go from being a social media company to a metaverse company. Like you pay attention to that, right? That's something you save. Sure. Uh, or Satya Nadella in a, you know, in an earnings call saying the metaverse is one of our goals. Like you save that article, right? Cause that, that is a significant statement by, you know, a significant figure. Um, so yeah. So I think it's, it started off with a keyword, just anything metaverse because we didn't have that much metaverse coverage now that there's a lot more, it's being a little bit more selective. And it's like, who's interviewed? What's really the topic? You know, I love going, for example, to Medium to find maybe some new voices. But it doesn't mean that every single article on Medium that uses the term metaverse is relevant to me or that is a well-thought-out article. Um, so, so, yeah. So I think that, you know, also being very selective on the sources. Who, who wrote this? Um, you know, especially it, – and it's interesting because I've seen the evolution with the metaverse, Right on who was writing about it, who's writing about it now, what is the context? Are they just using it, um, you know, are they just using it for clicks in the headline nowadays? It evolved. Whereas before you might have metaverse in your in your headline and it it wasn't necessarily, you know, something that click that would people would click on. Now a lot of people are putting it in the headline because people will click on it. So I it's been interesting to see this evolution on how I've been tracking metaverse as a you know as a as a general mega trend. So so, so when you do park something, put it mm -hmm. in Digo or Google Doc or whatever, what what happens to that then? Does that for later reference? Is that do you have some tags to that or yeah. how? So you're accumulating all of this. Well, when do you refer back to that, or how does that help you build that bigger picture? So um, when we're doing Metaverse Weekly, like sometimes we'll tag Metaverse Weekly so that we know, okay, we're going to pull this in. And at least I know some of the stories that, you know, I've organized for Metaverse Weekly and Forbes. Um, I'm writing a book. Um, I, I got an international book deal. So very happy about that. So it's on the Metaverse. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> um, so, you know, I'm saving things there as well, tagging it, you know, book or, you know, whatever, you know, whatever we're, we're, we're putting there. So. So definitely, you know, tagging with different dif different things, and it's it's going to depend on what I'm doing. If I'm um, if I'm writing an article, uh, you know, I'm working, for example, on an article on defense in the metaverse. Um, working with it with um, with Lieutenant Colonel Jake Soteriadis, who's you know widely known, I, th I think, in in strategic foresight. Um, and uh, you know, and so I'm keeping tabs on that, so that when when he and I have to actually sit down and write the article, I can just pull that information. Um, so, you know, sometimes, sometimes those links just live there. Like sometimes I won't do anything with them. Sometimes I will. And you just really never know in the tech space, to be honest. Um, something could happen tomorrow where I might've tagged something, you know, synthetic humanoid robot, for example. Um, and then Elon Musk goes on stage and talks about his Tesla AI and everyone's like, what is this synthetic humanoid robot? Um, so, so, you know, sometimes they'll live there and nothing will happen, but sometimes something will just happen in tech and all of a sudden it's like, oh yeah, I have all this, you know, all this research already done on some of these things. So.
So you build up your own tag taxonomy or mm -hmm. structure, or do you richly tag, or is it just, for example, just sort of book or weekly or, or just high level, high -level topics? I mean, but they're high level topics to me, right? So, like synthetic yeah. humanoid robots is a topic for me because I've been writing about it for a while. Um, you know, that seems yeah. pretty specific, right, for someone else. It's not just robots. So, <laughs> <laughs> so. So I guess what, what always intrigues me about this is we've got this wealth of information and you're obviously understanding the space you know, as, as well as anyone else in the world. And so, so does that all just happen in the gray matter in your brain? Uh, do you sort of do some mapping to draw correlations? Do you draw out themes as you, as, or does it all just happen as you're writing your weekly articles and your books? Yeah, how how is that? What is that process of taking all of those sources and those inputs? You know, something. Okay, I already know that. Okay, that's new. That's another angle. How how does that add to the to the comprehension that you have? I think it's something that you build through the years. To be honest, I, I'm I started off my career as a journalist, right? So when you're a journalist, you got to keep your sources straight. You got to keep all that information. So I think it comes from having been a journalist and having kept things organized um, in my mind, you know, as you write the story and as you report on the story, especially if it's something that takes you months to report on. Um, so, so yeah, it, it, it's interesting. It definitely bring some of that things I learned from journalism into this space. And I would say it's something that you build through the years when you start to see some of the things, I, you know, for me, it's, it's a little bit strange because I do get a chance to try a lot of things that a lot of people don't get to try or get to see a lot of things that people have never seen or will see in, you know, in a couple of years. Yes. So I can't necessarily store that somewhere like, cause there's NDAs and stuff. So I can't just be storing it, but I'll keep it in my head. And then eventually if I see something else, I'll be like, Oh, okay. That's how that's going to work. Or that's related to that specific thing that I saw the other day. Right. So so I think it's a lot of mental models in some way. Because, uh, yeah, because sometimes it's something yes. that I've seen that I've written in NDA and I can't really go, you know, write about it or, or, or share it. So I just kind of store it, I guess, in my mind. Um, and that has happened a lot, um, I would say, in a lot of some of the things that I've been able to demo and see. And eventually I'll see something uh, like a startup or something and I'll be like, okay, that startup is related to this other thing, to this, uh, yeah. I don't know. I think it's a lot of mental maps for me just because, you know, and I'm probably very different than some of the people you interviewed um, because my my work is a little bit different, right? Sometimes I can't even put it down on paper, right? <laughs> There's way too many NDA signed right. and I yep. just have to store it here. Um, yeah, so I would say it's about mental mapping uh, for me and then a lot of like, a lot of it comes from the conversations I have, right? Um, the questions I ask when I'm demoing a new piece of tech or or things like that. Um, so yeah, so it might it might be different to to some of the folks that you speak to because I do have to keep some of these things stored in my mind without being able to kind of publicly speak about some of the things uh, or writing even write th writing things down. So. so so you said in the conversations, the questions mm -hmm. you ask or the I suppose the conversations you have, and is there? I mean, uh, I suppose. Part of those questions then are trying to uncover the what is new or which is different or the things which can, whether it fits or not with your existing models? Yeah. Well, most of the things I'm trying are different and are new. 
So whatever question I ask is going to be new, right? Um, sometimes they are, you know, even though I'm not necessarily the most technical person, sometimes there will be technical questions because I do have a grasp of some of the technical things that go into building some of these, you know, devices of the future. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would definitely, sometimes it'll be, sometimes I'll, I'll try something that is so new that I'm just like quiet. Like I have, I'm just in awe. Like, I'm just like, how did you build this? Or like, my question will be as informed or technical uh, sometimes when it's something that, you know, is, is exciting, but it's something that, you know, isn't as new or, you know, that I'm, you know, granted, new to me. <laughs> I have to say this new to me, right? Yeah, uh, I'll yeah. be like, okay, I'll have more technical questions and I'll pull them, you know, and be like, um, so I had demoed X other device. How is this different, right? So I, I can pull those questions. But sometimes when something is so, so new and you don't have a frame of reference, right, for this something new that you're getting, you're, you're trying you're just trying to make sense of what this is, right? So some of the questions might be more elemental, like just not, not as informed. Um, but I, you know, but I love what I do because it's so exciting and it's so fresh. Like, yeah, sometimes it doesn't always happen. It doesn't always happen, but sometimes I'll demo something and I'll just be like, what, what was that? Like, you know, just trying in my mind to make sense of it, let alone, you know, the rest of the population. Um, so, yeah. So, it, once again, Ross, to that point, like, I feel like my experience is going to be very different than a lot of other folks because I'm very hands-on, very tech-focused, and I get to demo some of these things before, you know, years before anyone does. So, Yeah, well, absolutely. Any, anyone that's familiar with your uh, LinkedIn feed, for example, and and... <laughs> And imagining some of the things which you can't share, which are even beyond yeah. that, they'll know that you're seeing some pretty, uh, pretty, uh, pretty amazing stuff. Yeah. If someone were to hack my brain, I think they'd have a lot of information. <laughs> so don't do it, people. <laughs> Please don't. You are listening to the Thriving on Overload podcast. If you truly want to increase your information productivity, then check out the Thriving on Overload interactive course. It is designed to significantly enhance your information practices and habits, guiding you through creating your own personal information plan so you can excel in a world of overload. Go to thrivingonoverload.com slash course to find out more. Now back to the show. So the, the part of this, I, I suppose, uh, the synthesis. So, so is there a, a state of mind? Do you, do you find there are some times when you get these ahas and they're sort of, they, you... You know, you sort of get this insight into perspectives, into framing things. Is there anything which makes that more likely to happen? Do you can you design those times when you get those insights? I tend to have really some of those moments. I think there were there's a couple of times that I know I have those moments. Um, so something I learned from Amy uh, from Amy Webb is brown noise. So she uses it a lot to concentrate. I've started to use it, and that really really helps me kind of get to that next level and really focus when I need to be very focused and very productive. So that's one little thing. Uh, and I'll have those moments, right? Cause it's just, it's kind of a state of flow where you just, your mind is just in it. And eventually it's like, Oh, this connects and this connects. Right. Um, so I'll have that other times. And this happens to me all the time. My husband hates it. It's right when I'm about to go fall to fall asleep. You know, I'm trying to calm my mind, which is not calm. It'll come to me. Like, it'll just come to me and I'll make a connection. I'll be like, oh, this and this. And then, you know, I'll pull out, you know, pull out, grab my phone and write something, grab a piece of paper um, or, or something. And he hates it because it'll be like 
you know, it, it, like we're all, we're, we're, everyone's trying to go to sleep at home and I'm like, no, but I have an idea and I need to do this. Um, so, you know, I'll have those moments that happen sometimes. And it's usually at that time I'm trying to calm my brain. I'm trying to like disconnect from the world. And all of a sudden, boom, it's like, it's there and the connection is made and I totally understand. And I see something I didn't see before. Um, but I would say if it's very, um, you know, if it's me wanting to have that time to really kind of start to make some of these connections, it's focus time, brown noise, really very focused and studious. Or sometimes it's just that I'm at a point where I'm relaxing. I'm getting rid of all the craziness of the day. You know, I've got three kids. So it's one of those things where I'm getting rid of the craziness of the day. And all of a sudden, boom, there it is. Um, so yeah, I would say those are my, those are my, sometimes it's, it's deliberate, like the brown noise time, but sometimes it's just like this moment where it just, boom, it just happens. Yeah. It's called uh, hypnagogia, the, uh, the time between mm -hmm. sleep and waking. And Thomas Edison amongst others used to, uh, use that and have some notes ready so that when he, when he was falling asleep, he could, uh, jot down his latest yeah, invention. That, well, yeah. I mean, I'm not necessarily inventing things, but but yeah, it comes to me at that time. I'm like, oh, yeah, I get it. I totally see it now. Okay. So you talked about these focus times. Um, so there are times when you block out. So how do you block that out? When do you block that out? The brown noise is, uh, idea is really interesting. Mm -hmm. how, so how do you, how do you organize your your focus? Well, time? I mean, I'll, I'll I'll put blocks in my calendar on a weekly basis. It doesn't mean they happen. <laughs> Right. It doesn't yeah. mean they actually happen. The world happens. <laughs> lot, you know, kids happen, pets happen, lots of other stuff happens during those block times sometimes or pediatricians or whatever it is. Um, so I have blocks, but it doesn't actually mean, mean they happen. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, I have two blocks on my calendar and it bothers me every single time I look at them because I'm like, am I really sticking to this block? I don't know. Like Friday afternoons, I'm trying to block off to do those sorts of things and it just ends up being, you know, something like, oh, no, mommy, take me to the pool. So um, <laughs> so I'm trying, but, you know, you know, sometimes it, it'll be, even though they're blocked on my calendar, it might be something that just happens. And I'm like, oh, I've got an hour in between calls. Let me do some of that now. Um, so, so like, I'm not as maybe as structured or as rigid um, as some folks uh, with their calendar in that sense. Like, I have blocks for it. It doesn't always happen, though. And sometimes it'll just be like, I've got an hour, like I said, between calls let me focus and really get this, this project done or this, you know, this research done and, and, and get it kind of um, done. So. And, and do you turn off social email distractions during that time? Or do you have any other rituals or which get you into that space? I would say my LinkedIn, I turn, I close my LinkedIn. Like if I'm on my desktop or laptop, I have to close my LinkedIn. Um, Cause that's, as you know, that's my most active network. So I don't want it ping me, pinging me every five seconds, DMs, DMs, DMs. I get way too many DMs. Um, so, so yeah, like LinkedIn, I have to immediately close it. I know that it's just going to start pinging and pinging. Um, I'm not as bothered by Slack or other stuff, but with, when it's LinkedIn, I have to close it. You know, I keep, I always keep my phone around. Um, it's never something where I don't look at my phone just because I do have three children. So like that for me is just not, not an option. Um, and one of them has, you know, one of them has some food allergies and stuff. So, like, for me, it's just not an option to turn off my phone. Um, you know, I'll have it on the side and I won't look at it or I'll cover it up, but I'll make sure I have it where I can actually hear it ring or whatever it is that, that needs to happen. So, um, but I would say my biggest distraction when I'm doing something like this is LinkedIn, for sure. So, so changing tack a little bit, I... 
I think one of the most interesting, you know, important things is is to find your area of expertise. Mm -hmm. And so you can be the world-class expert and, you know, know what it is you're doing. And I'd love to hear the story of how you became, well, the, uh, you know, how you chose, how you've ended up in your area of expertise at the moment. What, what was that journey? How did you find your calling, as it were, mm -hmm. in what you, uh, what you're an expert on? Yeah, so... You know, I kind of have to trace everything. It, it all kind of comes together at some point, right? So the way I explain it to people, the the reason I got into the technology, like the immersive technologies and the metaverse and all the things I'm working on, I would have to trace it back to 2004. Um, I was working at CNN. And part of my job there was to look at all the raw footage that was coming in from the war in Iraq. So as you can imagine, not pleasant things. It wasn't the only thing I did, but it was one of the things I did. Um, so I always joke in some way and say I was a Facebook moderator before there was there were Facebook moderators. Um, when you have that type of role where you have to see this type of content, right? That's your job. You have to kind of turn your humanity dial or humanity switch off a little bit or like turn it to a side or just to kind of get through the day and go home and have a regular life. And for me, it wasn't until about, now it's going to be seven years. It's about seven years ago. I went to a conference um, and I got invited to put a virtual reality headset on. I put the VR headset on and I was put into this six by nine, very tiny, solitary confinement cell, a virtual solitary confinement cell in VR, where prisoners in solitary confinement spent 90% of their time. And within a couple of minutes, like I just felt something. I, you know, it was claustrophobia, but it was also something else. So I took the headset off and I said, this is this is the future of storytelling, or this is the future. I just saw the future, or, or whatever that was. And that's what I want to do for the rest of my life. So for me, it was a very clear moment. It was a very clear moment. And at that moment, it's like the switch got turned back on. That's the only way I can describe the feeling. It's like I felt something different. I felt something that made me made me feel human again. Or I, I don't know what, what the right term would be, but it was that moment. And after that, I was very intentional with my pivot. Everyone thought I was crazy. Literally, my friends, my husband was like, what are you doing? What is this VR thing? You know, and fast forward, you know, <laughs> 2021, you know, I'm very lucky to have worked with some of the top companies. I'm considered, you know, one of the people that is very much, um, you know, I don't necessarily call me an expert, but, you know, like, I guess an expert in the field. I'm very much at the center of the conversation and everything that's happening in, in this kind of immersive and now metaverse space. So, so I would say it was a very clear moment for me when I knew that's, that's where I was, that's where I was heading. That's where I'm going to go. That's exactly what I want to do. Um, so, you know, it's evolved and changed, but for me, it was a very clear moment. So you saw it and you recognized it. So the, how did you go about it? Because you, you, presumably you weren't the, the expert when you uh, put on that VR headset, but you took it off and you said, I'm going to become that. So what was that uh, journey? What did you do to uh, to follow that path? I did several things. One of them was voraciously consume absolutely everything there was, the right or, or that I could find related to VR and AR. Um, another thing I did is try to figure out who are the key players here, who 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 are the people I need to be paying attention to. Um, 
you know, so kind of figuring out, okay, who, what are they saying? How are they saying it? What are they, who are, what are they working on? Who are they working with? Right. So kind of going through that and kind of figuring out who were the, the people that I needed to keep tabs on. And eventually, you know, very lucky that I became friends and, you know, some of them became my mentors. Um, as a woman, as a Latina woman uh, in tech, I was also very lucky to be able to see two other very strong Latina women leading the way. So that to me was very helpful in saying, okay, there's a place for me here. I can do this, right? If you can see it, you can be it. So um, I think that was a big motivator for me as well when I saw them. And, you know, I used to admire them from afar. They were my North Stars. Now they're both my friends. So so it's been an evolution. Um, but I think I got educated. I made connections. And I said, I'm going to work in this industry, got my first break, and then made everything I could out of it. And it's been great. I mean, worked at HTC Vive, worked at Magic Leap. Uh, you know, worked at Amazon Web Services. I mean, I've got a pretty solid career track there. Um, so. Yeah. <laughs> so for me, it was like, it really started with that pivotal moment and then just being like, okay, how can I educate myself and learn as much as I can and then go into these companies and really be a part of it, right? Um, it's interesting because as, as a tech futurist and, and very much focused on what I do, I'm a little bit different because I've actually been inside these companies. Like, I don't just necessarily just read articles. Like, I know these people. I've worked on some of these projects. There's a lot of stuff that, you know, I've worked behind the scenes on that people don't necessarily realize. Um, but I know it's one of my projects or it's something I had a part on, a part in. So, so yeah, it's um, it's it's been, yeah, quite a journey, an exciting one, though. And I've been very lucky, I have to say. I've been very lucky. Mm -hmm. Well, you, you made it happen. You, you can see it. You can be it. So, they, there you go. <laughs> So what advice would you give, sort of to round out, how, what advice would you give to anybody that's wanting to follow, you know, not the same path, but a similar path to you to become the the expert, to be at the center, to keep across information and, you know, essentially to, in a, in a world of, in a space of emerging mm -hmm. technologies to keep current and keep ahead and to make sense of it and to, uh, to be at the, become at the center of that. What would your advice be? So... I think it's if you know enough about some of you know the technology, if you know some a little, if if you're interested in something, for me it's about getting to the the right place at the right time. It's almost about recognizing a rocket when you see one, because I'm I'm sure many people saw the same things I did, but they were just they didn't see it right. They didn't see the rocket. I saw the rocket and I jumped on it. I was like, I'm taking this trip to wherever this is leading, and it's paid off really well. Right. Um, so I think it's about being able to kind of recognize some of that, some of those rockets, the, the new things that are coming. Um, you know, if people are really excited about a new technology, get in there, jump in there, really be an active participant in the industry, because it's also about that. It's like, how are you how are you becoming a voice, an active participant in the idea sharing and everything that's being built? Um, like the metaverse, for example, like the metaverse is a greater vision doesn't currently exist. We're building it. But yeah. now is the time to start voicing what you believe this metaverse should be and what you, how you think it should be built. Um, now is the time to be a participant and have your voice out there because yeah, we're all slowly building it. So, so I would say those are some of the things, um, you know, and making connections, um, you know, making lots of connections in the industry. Who are the people that are, you know, that you should be paying attention to, um, but yeah, becoming, you know, be, being, being open to being educated and being open to, to being teachable. 
I think that's very important, especially in my, in my space. And another thing I think specifically for people that are interested in becoming tech futurists is you can't know everything about technology and you cannot be an expert in all the technologies, right? That is way beyond anyone's capability, really. Um, yeah. Not even Elon Musk attempts to do that, right? He, he has his arms in a lot of different things, but not everything in tech. Um, so I think choosing, you know, sometimes being a generalist in some other areas might be beneficial, but I think in tech, you have to be kind of focused and you have to realize, okay, what is it exactly that I'm, that, that I'm focused on here? Um, right. Cause there's some folks that are very focused on artificial intelligence, folks that are very focused on, you know, the, um, more on the bioscience side. So, so I think it's kind of trying to figure out exactly what you're going to focus on. Absolutely. So you, so you're obviously uh, <laughs> wonderful at, at sharing. And I guess two parts of that. One is, of course, as you say, to actively share ideas. Though there is part of the thing is having the ideas or having the fresh mm-hmm. ideas. So, you know, what point do you have, the, I suppose, gain the, the confidence to feel, okay, well, I've got a fresh idea and I want to share it. Do you do it right away, just sort of throw out? Or do you, do you sort of develop enough confidence in your own ideas before you start opining on the uh, industry? I mean, that's a kind of a, it's a slippery slope, right? Um, And the only reason I say that, Ross, is because I am a woman and I am a woman in tech. So I think it's a little bit, a little bit, maybe the comments I get towards some of my ideas or, you know, if, yeah, I I think it's a little bit different. I like I do pause before I tweet. Because I know that, you know, maybe a guy can tweet what, what my, like what I'm saying and they wouldn't get the same, you know, some of the pushback or things that I might get. It doesn't happen all the time, um, but I do see it sometimes. So for, as a woman in tech, sometimes I do take a step back and say, okay, should I tweet this? You know, what, you know, I remember sharing an article with a friend and I said, hey, do you think this is going to make anyone angry? <laughs> he's like, what do you care? I was like, I just kind of want to get your, 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 you know, he's like, someone's going to get angry somewhere. Um, and it's true, but I think sometimes as a woman and you, you kind of have to like, yeah, it's just, it's a, I think it's a different game, especially if you're a woman in tech in a very male driven, um, industry. So to have something solid, having something solid to share in that case. So you say, okay, I, I think this is, I think this has value. Yeah. Value, but, but still, you know, yeah, I think that there's, there's a lot to unpack there, I would say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think that's that's a whole other uh, conversation. That's a whole other podcast <laughs> issue, book, anything. Yeah. So, Kathy, it's been so such a delight to talk to you, and uh, I so admire what you're doing and uh, how you're doing it. So fantastic to get your insights, and I'm sure many other people will really appreciate it. So, thanks so much for your time, Kathy. Thank you, Ross. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the show. If you want more resources to help you thrive in a world of exponential information, go to thrivingonoverload.com, where you can find all podcast episodes, transcripts, show notes, excerpts from my book, Thriving on Overload, the Thriving on Overload interactive course, and a trove of other useful content and resources, including a weekly Tips for Thriving newsletter to keep across it all. If you like this episode, please do help us be found by giving us a rating or review and subscribe if you'd like to hear more. This is Ross Dawson. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day.